Well, good morning, everyone. Um, as Mike said, we're, we're at the tail end of a, a series called Life Together. Um, and, and really the heart, I think, of, of this series is, is how we can do life together better. Um, over the last few weeks, we've looked at how we can honor one another, be devoted to one another, how we can encourage one another together. Last week, we talked about how we can forgive one another. It's a hard concept, but uh, I think listening to Mike last week, we can really learn into and lean into this idea of forgiveness. But today, I want to take a different step. I want to look at something, another one another statement that's a little bit different uh, and a little bit where my heart is and how we can serve one another as we continue to do life together. Now, we've all seen, seen acts of service done well. But we've also seen them done not so well. You know, when, when service is done in love, serving someone can be, be a tremendous act of love and devotion and honor to a person yourself and God. But when you do, do service out of selfish gain, well, we've all seen the fallout of that. Today is, is all about how we can do life together by serving someone, by serving one another in a positive way. And where I want to begin today is to look at Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Now, Paul wrote this letter as a, as a cor- corrective measure to a church in Galatia. And towards the end of his letter, within chapter 5, uh, he writes this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the fr- flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be devoured by each other. Now where I want to focus in on this key phrase and where I want to be is serve one another humbly in love. Paul says it a different way in Philippians 2. He says, do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Seems easy enough, right? Everyone's got it? You're good for the week? We'll see you. Seriously. Paul's writing to a church in the first century, but the message translates for us here today. The question becomes, how do we do it? I mean, it sounds easier said than done. And what I love about the scripture is that it will interpret itself if we begin to study it enough. So what I want to do today is just break that down and kind of work out what it means to serve one another by letting the scripture lead the way. Now here's that phrase again. Serve one another humbly in love. Now the first thing I want to focus on here is this one right here. One another. Who is the one another's? Paul writes to serve one another within Galatians 5. But then in verse 14, he connects it back to a command to love your neighbor as yourself. Now this connection, Paul writes, is actually a quote 
It's a quote from two places, but he quotes Jesus' ministry. And within the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew records it this way in chapter 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. The one another's, if we translate that appropriately, how Paul connects them together, the one another's we are to serve are our neighbors. Now, in modern times, in our age, our neighbors are the person living to our left, to our right. They're in our communities. However, I think Jesus had a different meaning in mind. If we look a little bit further into the same account within the gospel, uh, this one according to Luke, Luke records that expert in the law, that lawyer, and he went up to Jesus and wanted to justify himself. So he asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? And at this point, Jesus goes on to tell a story of a Samaritan man who stopped to help another man who was attacked by robbers. His countrymen passed him, the priest passed him, but this Samaritan had mercy on the man and came to his aid. And when he finishes the parable, Jesus says this, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You see, our neighbors are more than just the person who lives near us. Our neighbors could be anyone, anywhere. Someone in need at school or work. Someone in the church who needs our help. And yes, it could be someone in our community. I think the interesting thing Jesus is trying to say is our neighbor is all around us. Our neighbors are the one another's in our lives. So we know what the one another's are. Check for that. But what does it mean to serve our neighbors? How do, how do we serve those one another's? By definition, to serve means to be of use. In essence, it's to do something for someone. It's an action of some kind. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not always a physical act. Not every act of service is something you have to go and swing a hammer. Nine times out of ten, that's where I fit the bill. But that's not where we are all gifted. You see, there's only one of me, and there's only one of you. We each are unique in the best ways that we can be of use. So I think the trap of serving someone, however, we can begin to serve with this idea of an expectation for after we have done the act of service. You know, what I mean to say is we do things in order to receive in the back end. We've all heard the term before. It's called reciprocity. It's a reciprocal effect. And by definition, that's the practice of exchanging things 
with others for a mutual benefit. To serve someone with reciprocity in mind is having some kind of end game mentality where we keep score and kind of tally up the things I've done for you and hope that you'll do them for me. My problem with that idea is there's no humility in it. Reciprocity doesn't think of others before ourselves, as Paul says in Philippians. Reciprocity sees people as chess pieces. Now, I'm no good at chess, but my understanding is that it's a strategy game. If I move here, I can make you move there. In my opinion, it stands in stark contrast to the idea of servitude toward one another that Paul speaks of. Well, Paul writes again, serve one another humbly in love. All right. At this point, we figured out who the one another's are, what it means to serve. But I want to stick with that idea of humility. How do we serve those one another's, our neighbors? How do we serve them with humility? So we take that back to Jesus. The Apostle John records this at the end of his his ministry, at at the end of Jesus' ministry. And at this point, Jesus has been in public ministry for three years. He's amassed crowds of followers. And on one one particular evening, he's in an upper room with the 12 of the closest. John records it this way. The evening meal was in progress. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And then he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothes and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later, you will understand. No, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How do we serve one another in humility? Jesus set the example for us. The action may be lost on us a bit in the 21st century, 
That's due to the fact that we have shoes that are enclosed. And we don't have to walk everywhere. But in, in the first century, you had to walk around everywhere, and it was pretty sandy. And all you had were sandals. Your feet got dusty. They got dirty. It was a servant's job to clean his master's feet. Jesus' actions were that of a servant. God in the flesh lowered himself before his followers to do the action of a servant. He humbled himself and gave us the example. For me, I'm not sure there's a better picture of servanthood. All right, we're almost there. The last question I want to ask, and I believe this is the heart of the matter. How do we serve with humility? How do we serve our neighbors? How do we do that in love? Once Jesus washed his disciples' feet, they shared a meal together. This is what he said during the meal. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, Bill's going to talk more about loving one another next week, but I think this applies within the context of servanthood. To serve one another humbly in love is to be of use to someone and to follow the example set forth by Jesus to lower ourselves before someone and to love them as Jesus has loved us. Now that in itself is a mouthful. I prefer Paul's phrasing, to serve one another humbly in love. Jesus loved us by humbling himself, believing that no one was greater than the next person. He gave of himself freely. There was no strings, no bait and switch, no catch, no reciprocity. He gave of himself freely. To do something in love for someone is to want to serve them, to want to do something for them. I believe it's in fulfilling this that we fulfill the relationship of doing life together. It's the unity in community. It's how we can do it better together. We know what it means. We know what Paul's saying here. But it doesn't end there for us. It doesn't stop. How do we translate that into the walk of our everyday life? How do we put that into practice? You see, being in service to one another is about asking for nothing in return. It's removing me from the equation of serving. There's no end game. There's no strategy to play. No figuring out what I can get later on down the line. The act of service is to give of ourselves, our talents, our abilities, our resources, the gifts we've been given. It's to do something for someone who may be in need or, or maybe just to be friendly. Today's world, we call that random acts of kindness. But you can translate that to serving someone in love. The experience of serving someone can be a powerful one for you but it's a two-way street. The person being served receives just as much a powerful experience as you do. To be very honest, it's so moving 
for someone to humble themselves before you to serve you. For someone who may not feel that they deserve it. A different example of that was a number of years ago, I was directing a youth camp in Malaga, and the evangelist of the week wanted to wash the kids' feet, wanted to give them an experience like that when we were talking about serving. So we began with the directors and the counselors and the teachers, and then we, in turn, washed the feet of the kids. And let me tell you, being on both sides of the equation, it was a powerful night to be in charge of 40 or so kids and then to humble yourself and take care of them for a minute. I think it's something that changes you. So here's what I want you to do. If you missed anything else this morning, I want you to perk up just for a minute. I'm going to ask you to do something, and then I'm going to give you three foolproof ways to serve one another. It's as simple as that. What I want you to do, I want you to think of one person, just one. That could be somebody at church, someone in your neighborhood, someone at your workplace, someone at school. I just want you to think of one person. I will wait. Got him? Excellent. All right. So here are three foolproof ways to serve one another. Now, trust me, I spent all week on this. They're going to be good. I promise. This is going to answer all the questions for you. Three foolproof ways to serve one another. I'm going to give them to you all at one time. I have no idea. There's no one right answer to this. And it may seem a bit lighthearted. But the reality is there isn't an answer. We're all gifted in different things. We're able to do and help in different levels of ways. The gifts and abilities that God has granted me are different from yours. And how I can be best of service to someone will change based on the situation that I am in. So that's our homework for the week. Work it out for yourselves. It's not a cookie-cutter answer. There's no three-step process to serving someone. Acts of service will always take the shape of the situation that they are needed. They don't always look the same. But their intent is to come alongside someone in love. Authentic, heartfelt service will always carry these, these characteristics. It doesn't ask for anything in return. It gives freely. It's done with humility. And it's done in love. Yes, we are called to serve one another. But how we serve and how we do that, our motivation behind serving becomes more important, I think. Jesus set the example for us. He told us to go And do likewise. We should seek to serve one another, not just because we are called to do it, but because our love and service to one another is also pleasing to him who loved us first. Jesus was sent to serve, not be served. Our selfless giving 
and servitude displays the attractive nature of the gospel we try to preach. We're called to share that together. So that one person that you thought of, that one person on your mind, do something for them. Serve them in some way this week. But do it in a way that doesn't seek reciprocity. What that piece of service is, what that is, and how you do it is completely up to you. But we have the example, and we should go and do likewise. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your message. We thank you for your words and your example. Lord, you set the tone for how we are to serve. How we are to look after our neighbors, our friends, the people close to us, or even just someone on the side of the road. But God, you've given us the example. Let it move our hearts this week. To maybe open our eyes to a situation that we haven't seen yet that we learn to serve with humility within the context of loving someone else. But that we can seek to serve one another and do life together better. We give you the rest of this service in this time. And it's in your name. Amen.